Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. The problem is that you need to be more manly. You need to show that you don't cry in public, that you are tough enough to order the military around. And only then are they going to accept you or at least uh, respect you. Hello everyone! Salam! Welcome to another interesting episode on She Talks Peace. I am Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying hi from Manila. And I'm here with my co-host. Hi, Amina. This is Ayesa, and I'm based here at University Malaysia Saba in Kota Kinabalu. Nice to see you again, Amina. Yeah, but, you know, virtual seeing each other would be nice. It would be nice if you and I, we could actually go to the KUPI conference in, uh, in Indonesia. So this is hosted by Ruby's uh, Action Muslim Action Network, right? Yes. Is it Aman or Iman? Is it Aman, Aman rather? It's, uh, Aman. Okay. it's Aman. So I, Asian I'm, Muslim Action Network. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. We've been wanting to get the uh, the Kupi program, uh, this program yeah. that she's developed for uh, women. So that they can understand Sharia better, uh, and she brings in Islamic uh, scholars to talk about uh, about uh, Sharia and uh, the interpretation of the of the Quran. We were hoping we could have it also in Mindanao. So keeping our fingers crossed. Anyway, what's up with you okay, in Sabah? Next time. Well, uh, the whole of Malaysia is now quite busy because it's campaign time for elections. We are scheduled to do our uh, Pilihan Raya, our general elections this coming November 19. So uh, a lot of the people here, uh, politicians and their supporters and a lot of the even some NGOs are quite, are quite active, you know, making sure that 
some of the advocacies of the NGOs can also be responded to by the politicians. Yeah. Is so a, how about the uh, Philippines? Not, not much interest, uh, not, not too many interesting things apart from the usual issues of uh, journalists getting killed, uh, corruption, etc. Mm-hmm. But nothing big. But I was reading some very interesting news about the coming G20 meeting in Bali. That's on November 15. As you know, Indonesia okay. is the president of G20 this year. Dear readers, if you're wondering what the G20 is, it's the group of 20, and it's a strategic multilateral platform that connects the world's biggest economies and emerging economies like Indonesia. And Indonesia is president of G20 this year. But there you I, was go. The, I was reading the news. And the Jakarta Post, um, Indonesia's English uh, paper, uh, had an, an editorial and they made an appeal to the world leaders. And they said, please don't come to Bali to quarrel. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, and this is another thing, Indonesia's foreign minister, um, Retno Marsudi, uh, said in an, an interview, that the G20, this meeting in Bali, could actually be uh, the most difficult of all the G20 meetings mm-hmm. because of the yeah. geopolitical and economic issues and uh, all of the other issues that have come to, to haunt our world. I really, really hope that Indonesia is going to be the peacemaker, Ayesa. You know that the ASEAN Leaders Summit is coming up in November, and uh, Indonesia yes. is going to be the president of ASEAN. Uh, there will be a change from uh, Cambodia to Indonesia. So coming and back of, to coming back to circle, you know the rotation. Yep, and we're really really excited because uh, the regional plan of action on women, peace, and security is set to be approved at the coming ASEAN uh, Leaders Summit. So, and and you know very well, yes, over the past months, we have been hosting consultations with civil society, Mm -hmm. academia, the religious youth, to find out what they think about uh, women, peace and security and what they think ASEAN should include in a plan, right? Within ASEAN, Amina, your initiative, you know, uh, conducting all these consultations, which is primarily civil society-led, I think this is the only activity of such kind, right? That at least you involve Uh, other ASEAN countries. Do you know of any other civil society-led consultation on WPS? Well, our our friends... um from the Southeast Asia Women Peace Builders, Ruby and, and the others, I think they're trying to get the women-led organizations, the members mm-hmm. of the network, to have mm-hmm. country-by-country discussions on what they would like to see. Because, you know, in ASEAN, there are only two countries with national action plans, and that's the Philippines and, yeah. and Indonesia. But um, ASEAN-wide, I think we're the only ones that have been organizing this, but we're really doing this um, to help with the uh, providing inputs on the drafting. And this is thanks to the government of Canada and the uh, UN, okay. UN women. So 
kind of exciting. We're really waiting with bated breath that uh, something good is going to uh, happen when um, you know when they approve the regional uh, plan of action. Yeah, since we've yeah. been talking a lot about Indonesia, why don't we bring in already our special guest for this podcast? Luckily, Ayesa, our guest today is an expert on all things political and foreign policy in Indonesia and ASEAN. Yes, we would like now to welcome on our podcast, Professor Dewi Fortuna Anwar. Professor Dewi is a research professor uh, based in the Badan Reset Dan Innovasi Nasional. So it's in English, it's the National Research and Innovation Agency in Indonesia. So it so happens that this is a supra body, you know, of all the research institutions in Indonesia. So I'm sure Professor Dewi here can tell us a lot about the uh, policy directions of the government of Indonesia. Welcome again, Professor Dewi, to podcast, to She Talks Peace. Thank you very much. And uh, it's lovely to see you, even though only online, uh, Amina and Aisha. I saw um, Amina last when we were in Singapore for the International Conference on Cohesive Society, you know, when, when people were talking about how to build a cohesive society. You had been quoted before saying that uh, Indonesia has a nurturing role in in ASEAN. And um, I mean, we have to remember that Indonesia was instrumental in the formulation of the ASEAN Charter. And that was only in, in, 2000, um, in 2007. So Ayesa and I were talking about the Regional Plan of Action for Women, Peace and Security. So what do you think? Uh, Dewi, can we count on Indonesia's leadership to support the uh, implementation of a regional plan of action for women, uh, peace, and security when it becomes chair of, of ASEAN? Is that, is, is well, that going to happen? Yeah, firstly, I think, you know, uh, when we're, we're talking about the region, about ASEAN, can I go back forward when I, you know, when I said about Indonesia? has a nurturing role in ASEAN. I think yes. this goes back, you know, why we had ASEAN in the first place, because mm -hmm. let's don't forget that uh, before ASEAN was established, uh, our region was full of conflict. And in fact, you know, Indonesia was one of the troublemakers with its policy <laughs> of confrontations against Malaysia. And the mm -hmm. Philippines also had a, a yeah, conflict with, with, uh, with, with Malaysia. Uh, so, um, and so, uh, and Indonesia, of course, is the largest country in, in the region. And we have seen that in many parts of the world, regional organizations, uh, which in some uh, aspects, you know, do not always work well, uh, have become too much dominated by the largest member. Mm. We shall not name names, but usually mm -hmm. there is a tendency for the, for the largest uh, partner to uh, exercise a more hegemonic uh, role. And, and, and usually, you know, that, that does not lead to uh, a very peaceful region because there'll be resentments and, and so on. So when, when I say that Indonesia's uh, nurturing role in ASEAN, it has curbed its formerly confrontative <laughs> tendency and have actively promoted peace and cooperation within the region and also curbing its, you know, its natural tendency to throw its weight around. 
<laughs> by becoming much more nurturing, uh, and, uh, and among others, uh, through a foreign policy that is uh, not too high profile. You know, uh, it has been criticized sometimes that there's no profile, but the fact of the matter is that you know the the survival of ASEAN itself uh, depends on all members, but the the bigger the bigger members do have uh, a bigger role. You know, the success of the uh, cooperation. Um, depends very much on to what extent the largest member, uh, Indonesia, is willing to play a leadership role uh, in coming up with ideas, uh, with concepts, and also in pushing agendas around without it being seen to be a bullying, too dominant, you know, and, and creating yes. uh, resentment. Uh, and then coming back to uh, uh, women and peace security, this is very much uh, a part of uh, Indonesia's uh, foreign policy priority. Uh, right. Under uh, under uh, Ibu Retno Marsudi uh, as Indonesia's uh, foreign minister for the second round as well, you know she was also foreign minister uh, during the first term of uh, mm -hmm. President Jokowi. Uh, women and security uh, is a, a high priority uh, in the global arena, uh, including at the UN. In the UN, uh, it's been pushing for the greater participation of women in peacekeeping. Because uh, you know usually uh, the peacekeepers. Uh, whether they are from the army or the police, have mostly been men. Uh, but right. we have seen right. that, yeah. But we have seen that because uh, a lot of the uh, uh, activities of peacekeepers are keeping peace within countries that are being torn by conflicts, rather than between two warring nations, uh, where you can have more traditional uh, role for the peacekeepers. You know, keeping peace between belligerents. But in and in in internal conflicts, um, there's no clear. Demarcations between who are the belligerents, you know, who are the perpetrators, because whole societies get involved, including women and children. Uh, they sometimes they are also uh, parties to the conflicts. There uh, a lot right. of them, you know, women and children are most often are victims, but quite often they're also uh, parties to the conflict. You know, that you see in Africa, uh, child soldiers and and and, and so on. So um, in, uh, it has been shown that the role of Women peacekeepers, whether as police women and so on, you know, sometimes they they can they can be much more effective in uh, being able to reach out to communities uh, which are not easily accessible, say, for men, uh, particularly in conservative societies where women have their own network, have their own way of communications, uh, and and what their what their aspirations and what they fear and and what they wish, you know, uh, could, uh, could only be accessed by by other women. Uh, so this is, you know, that's why uh, the UN in particular has also uh, called for, for more women participations. So I, I welcome very much that uh, that uh, ASEAN um, is have also having this, you know, this uh, action plan uh, for for uh, you know women in peace and security. A lot of uh, peace uh, that's been signed collapsed to a number of years, and among others, is because there is a failure in in peace building. And they didn't uh, well, have women at the table. Yeah, they didn't have women at the table because they don't really, you know, understand that women uh, are can be spoilers as much as uh, uh, you know uh, contributors to peace, and and because they they don't have women, so they don't understand, you know, the root causes of some of the of the conflicts. Uh, and and the fact of the matter, you know, in society, women play a very important role, not just in families but also in economies, uh, and and how to. Uh, Try to nurture society uh, that need to involve women in Indonesia. That has been shown very much. For example, during the Maluku conflict uh, with, between the Christians and Muslim communities, it's the women 
the women traders who who started you know the, the peace process uh, they were the, the the societies that became that were very segregated even the markets were segregated segregated within the christian christians and the muslims is the mamas you know the 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 the, the, the women uh, who who came together and they said you know we we need to get together and they started that that, that process you know um it it's it seems so apparent to us at the, at the community level, at the village level, if, you have, if, if there's a, a problem, if there's a little conflict, then normally it's the women who come forward to do something about it. But it's very strange, really, that uh, as you go up, uh, the men don't seem to see that anymore. And yet from childhood, if there's a conflict among siblings, it's the, it's the mother, not the not the father who would step in and and resolve the conflict you know, you, you 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 were talking about uh, about these kinds of values before and you were you were saying that um, we really need to see more numbers that we need to have a critical mass right you said yeah. female leaders would have more leeway to pursue policies that favor equality of women a less confrontational style of leadership but we don't have the, the critical mass yet. And I guess uh, uh, Debbie was saying that, um, I like this, uh, she said the problem is that you need to be more manly. Uh, you need to show that you don't cry in public, that you are tough enough to order the military around, and only then are they going to... Uh, accept you or, or at least uh, respect you uh, showing that this is this is a man's world but Dewi has that has that changed I mean you've got more women now Indonesia has sent more women in peacekeepers um, sending them to uh, places like Aceh and, and other places is it is it changing and is it uh, are we going to have critical mass you think of female leaders well it's still challenging in uh Ironically, actually, there were way more women in parliament during authoritarian times, during the new <laughs> period, because the wives, the daughters, the siblings, you know, uh, of, yeah. of, uh, of male leaders, you know, would be sent to, to, uh, to seats uh, in, in parliament. When, when we are competing uh, on, which is still not a level playing field, you know, when, when you have to compete uh, with, for for leadership at party level and 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 uh, and, and go and uh, win votes, uh, it's still a uh, you know it's still a, a struggle. It's it's a struggle even for the men, you know, uh, let alone for for the women. Uh, in uh, in Indonesia, the only party leader who is a female is the PDIP, and that's not because of too much competitive position. You know, uh, ah. uh, former President Megawati is there, there by by virtue of birth. Really, mm -hmm. you know, that is uh, the legitimacy is mostly because she's the daughter of Sukarno and she has a mm -hmm. charisma uh, and that legitimacy. And and uh, her daughter Puan Maharani is now the speaker. Of course, she had to she has to win uh, the, the the vote to be elected to members of parliament. Uh, so she's quite capable, you know, of winning votes just as much as other uh, men who are well connected. Yeah, but but if you look at it, uh, there are more women now. Who have won competitive positions, uh, like the governor of East Java, Kopipa, uh, Indrawati, who's a, um, a very capable 
uh, women, a woman uh, from Nahdlatul Ulama. You know, uh, this is a very, oh, okay. uh, rather, yeah. Uh, Kafifa Indrawati is from PKB, so the mm-hmm. Partai Kebangkitan Bangsa, which is a party affiliated to Nahdlatul Ulama, and East Java is one of the largest provinces in Indonesia. As uh, you know, the the stronghold of Nahdlatul Ulama, so more conservative Islam, and that's you know, and the, the current governor is a woman, uh, and that's because she's very capable and, and so on. But still, you know, the fact that the matter that you, I can easily recite, you know, who these people are, uh, tells you that there are not that many yet within the cabinet. We have more capable women. In fact, uh, no longer in 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 uh, positions uh, that were considered to be women positions like. Yeah. Social affairs or women affairs, but our minister of foreign affairs is, you know, a tough lady in Ibu Ratno, and our minister's uh, finance is considered to be one of the best uh, fin- uh, finance ministers, uh, you know, uh, in the world. as Sri Mulyani, uh, and, and 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 there are many more, you know, very very capable, very very strong women. But the critical mass, I would say, you know, uh, is still not there yet. If you are going to look at the uh, G20 leaders. Uh, who is? Which country is now led by a woman? I don't think any of the. Yeah. I guess, do you know if any of the G20 has a woman leader? I don't think so. Um, none at all. None. No, no. I mean, if, I if it was so. if yeah. if it was done two weeks ago, the UK would have a female prime minister. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Professor Dewi, since you mentioned uh, the former President Megawati and also her daughter, who are very prominent uh, national leaders, what did you think uh, about their uh, leadership? Can we um, can we describe them as our usual suspects for peace building? You know, did uh, did they contribute to peace in in Indonesia or? Elsewhere? Well, uh, I mean, Megawati is very much an icon of democracy, yeah, uh, because uh, okay. when, throughout the New Order period, she was she was really oppressed. Uh, mm. uh, when 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 she was elected uh, leader of the chair of the uh, uh, at that time Partai Demokrasi Indonesia PDI, uh, the the government, you know, the Soeharto government, intervened and tried to replace. You know, always tried to sideline her and and and. and um, made her politically um, marginalized, uh, and so she became a very prominent democracy icon. Uh, and and there was a lot of hope uh, that you know uh, she would she would be that that democracy uh, icon. And in terms of democratic consolidations under Megawati uh, and the earlier president, uh, Indonesia's democratic index actually actually went up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, during the Megawati period, uh, a lot of internal conflicts were resolved, uh, the Moluccan conflicts, for example. But if you look at the, uh, the, the, the player in the Moluccan conflicts, it was uh, Bapak Yusuf Kala, who was mm, the, uh, yes. the mediator, yeah? Uh, when yes. he was... Uh, uh, 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When he was a cabinet minister, he was, he was uh, you know, one of the uh, prominent ministers under, under Ibu uh, Megawati. He was a coordinator for, uh, coordinator for uh, social uh, affairs at one point. Uh, and, uh, and the coordinating minister for political security affairs was at the time, uh, retired General Susilo Bambang Widayono. These two mm-hmm. men were, in fact, very prominent uh in in uh helping of course helping the president uh, uh but what was uh marked uh during megawati's time is the failure of the um uh, ceasefire in Aceh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember there was an uh, an attempt to bring uh, to a, to an end you know the the regional co- conflict the regional rebellion in Aceh. Right. Uh, at first it was uh, facilitated by the at the time, it's called Henry Dunan Center, uh, yeah. and who facilitated uh, this uh, ceasefire agreement uh, between the, uh, the, uh, the government in Jakarta and the Free uh, uh, Aceh Movement. Uh, but of course, you know, there was not enough goodwill on either side. Uh, and in fact, you know, uh, under Megawati, the, uh, the ceasefire collapsed and, uh, and, and Jakarta in fact, uh, introduced this uh, emergency law. Uh, in fact, greater mili- mili- military control of Aceh. It was only after the tsunami and when President Sosil Bambang Yudhoyono became president uh, and uh, Bapak Isukala was vice president that, you know, the real push towards uh, peaceful negotiations took place. Uh, and in fact, Bapak Isukala played a very uh, prominent role in, in the whole, uh, you know, uh, negotiation. So somehow the experience of uh, Ibu Magawati reminds us also in the Philippines, Amina, about former President Makapagal Gloria Arroyo. And before our, our podcast started, um, the three of us were having a conversation about um, just because you're a woman leader, it, uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a, a peacemaker. and um, uh, I was also talking about the um, former, the late president Fidel V. Ramos, who was a uh, uh, renowned uh, general, and he was the uh, peacemaker who actually brought the various uh, rebel groups to the negotiating table, and who supported the empowerment of women. I think even more than the two women presidents. That, that we had. And we were, you know, it, these are 
these are two generals. You've got your general in Indonesia and our general in the Philippines, and they were the ones who were so focused on uh, on peace building, on uh, on negotiations. So just because biologically, right, <laughs> we and Ayesa, biologically you're male or female, doesn't really mean that your role in society is going to be a peacemaker or troublemaker. I mean, the gender issues in our uh, in our different cultures have much to say about um, the role that our leaders, our women leaders, are going are going to play. Sometimes, you know, because of this lack of critical mass, uh, mm-hmm. uh, women uh, who are leaders are still in the man's world. Uh, That's right. So, so uh, while we would argue that you know, in peacemaking, that women uh, have a certain contribution uh, to bring because there's less ego. Uh, you know, to the negotiating table because there's less ego, uh, less reluctant to lose face because you know women can change their minds. You know, so you know we don't we don't have to be to be too too uh, uh, recalcitrant about what certain issues. But at the same time, when uh, women have a lot of to prove, you know, because there's always people are probably going to watch. You know, when when you're faced with a crisis, are you going to crumble? Are you going to bring mm-hmm. your emotion to it? And 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 quite often we we have seen that maybe. Precisely because of that, you know, people are watching whether you are going to collapse and in a heap of sobbing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that the, uh, uh, women leaders sometimes, you know, have shown that they are even more uh, courageous or more even more willing to take the risk. I mean, if you look, just look at throughout history, uh, Queen Elizabeth the first with England. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Uh, Catherine the Great of Russia. Before that, you know, Queen Bodicea. In France, you know, the who who repelled the English invaders uh, from France? Uh, the, 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 the flowers of French chivalry failed a number of times. It was Joan of Arc, you know, with a vision and, and so on. And and in modern times, he saw Margaret Thatcher carried out a lot of <laughs> wars, uh, the, the Falkland War, for example. And closer home, we see, uh, you know, Indra Gandhi and uh, Golda Meir. Yeah, yeah. So there, so uh, there are a lot of very tough leaders, and they are regarded as revered as as tough leaders. Uh, they are no less, no less masculine in in their, you know, they're they're, they're yeah. warriors, and they are but very much admired. But at the same time, uh, uh, we agree that uh, it has been shown that uh, in the in the, in the a number of uh, discussions about the, the importance of bringing women into the negotiation negotiating table of involving women in areas of conflict is there are areas where men cannot easily go in. Uh, you know, a lot of conflicts now are internal. Uh, in the when the UN sends their peacekeeping mission, now increasingly the peacekeepers are hybrids, military and police, but also increasingly also civilians, but also the military and the police and, uh, and, and civilians. There are more women now that are considered to be necessary, particularly because they they have the ability to go into uh, communities, into arenas in which might not be easily accessible to men. You know, people might clam up, uh, might yeah. not be as open, you know, about uh, what, what is going on in that, in that particular society. Yeah. The 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 uh, the communications around the water well, you know, there's not going to be that right. accessible to men. Yeah, where 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 women go together and, and collect water, for example, in, in, in areas where uh, uh, running water is not available. 
you know that we um i think more than 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago you know you know the philippines is kind of macho very patriarchal yeah. system very macho led uh society but there was a survey conducted by our leading pollster social weather stations about um uh women in in the peace building and would you believe that majority of the respondents, male and female, from north to south, said women will make better uh, peacemakers, better uh, negotiators and and mediators? So I, I really hope that um, our governments are going to be a little bit more supportive as uh, the regional plan of action is approved and get more women um, to the table. Can you just imagine, Dewi, if you had sent some women mediators to look at what was happening in, in Myanmar? <laughs> Maybe something different, you know, a different outcome would have been reached. The possibilities, you know, especially in ASEAN, of really sending out women facilitators like UN tried to do this this year. You know, the United Nations sent um, uh, not necessarily exactly a facilitator, but an envoy to Myanmar, hoping that Dr. Nolene Heiser can play up that role, you know, to some extent, you know, as an ambassador of peace, perhaps. But unfortunately, she ended up really being uh, criticized instead by the civil society groups themselves. How can we really bring, you know, and, and um, uh, rather promote, you know, what kind of women facilitators do we need, you know, as uh, peace mediators and those involved in the negotiating panels? What do you think, Professor Dewi? What is the idea of women uh, about other women becoming uh, peace negotiators and facilitators? Well, uh, when it comes to issues, you know, I tend to be gender neutral, you know, when we're talking about hard issues, whether you're negotiating trade agreement, issues on climate change, you know, whether you don't look at, you know, whether you're dealing with a woman or a man, uh, you know, is that what are the issues? Uh, but what there is an expectation you're bringing to the table, what do women bring to the table as opposed to men? You know, what, what is the quality? So clearly, you know, everybody, all the negotiator needs to be well informed about, you know, what it is that they're negotiating, you know, what, what are the end goals, what are the, uh, the obstacles, and, and what are the necessary ingredients, you know, for that. So everybody has to, 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 uh, to be well equipped. Uh, so uh, let's focus about first, you know, whether it's a male or female, you know, it has to be well equipped and, and also has to be consistent. And this is my criticism for ASEAN is, you know, there's, there's a wrongdoing from the very beginning that you have a rotating special envoy. You can't do that because acquiring the information, uh, acquiring the trust. You know, when, when you're trying to, to be a facilitator, the most important thing is you have, you have to know what you're doing. What are you facilitating? You know, who are you going to be talking with? And, and then it, it requires the building of trust first before people are willing to talk to you. If you're going to change every year as, as you rotate the chairmanship, Ashram, how are you going to build that, that in-depth knowledge first? And how are you going to build the trust? Because you don't know the other side and the other side do not know you. By the time they get to know you, you change. So, so regardless of whether it's a male or female, if you 
ASEAN continues to to have this special envoy, which is ex officio in Myanmar, is going to fail. Yeah, because that 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 in depth knowledge mm. and the building is not going it's not going to be to be around. And mm. and and then secondly, you know, uh, the criticism is. I think the criticism is not because somebody is a woman or somebody is a man. Because is that somebody considered to be uh, well equipped, you know, well informed enough, uh, and independent enough, and at the same time well connected enough? What is equally important is to bring people who have lived through the conflict, you know, uh, and uh, and men and women uh, and young people uh, have different uh, perspectives sometimes on what they experience. And how they how conflicts affect their life, and what they need, uh, you know, how, what they need to bring uh, to the table. They can share that experience, uh, you know, with others. So it's not just the highly skilled diplomats or, or scholars who 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 have done their PhDs on on conflict resolution, for example. You know, you also need to bring the community uh, leaders and people who have gone through 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 the various. Uh, uh, conflicts like in Indonesia, for example, one of the most effective uh, interlocutor in in de-radicalization, yeah, in counterterrorism, mm-hmm. are those who have been involved themselves, you know, in 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 various violent extremist activities. Uh, so you can't just bring someone, you know, cold, uh, mm-hmm. theoretically mm-hmm. knowledgeable about about terrorism, for example, but who have who cannot really uh, be trusted by by those who you want to convince. Yeah, I'm. I'm so amazed that there we, when the, some of our colleagues who are scholars of violent extremism and peace building, uh, jet in to our conflict areas and are the experts on resolving our conflict. And I keep wondering, have these guys ever had a home that was bombed during an armed conflict? Have they ever really, you know, been face to face with an with the violent extremists. So I agree with you. The context, the ability to speak the language because you are part of the of the experience matters matters a great deal. Whether you're a male or, or female, context uh, matters. Yeah, and this is where our argument lies at the ASEAN Women Peace Registry. You know, while we know that we have few women who can, who have taken part in the peacemaking and peacekeeping traps, but we know that we have such a rich uh, resource for peace building, you know, by women all over ASEAN communities. And this is now the time that we elevate all those experiences from the grassroots so that they themselves can also be part of the peacemaking and peacekeeping uh, traps. You know, so uh, there you go. You know, with there, there's actually a lot of opportunities for those who have been involved in grassroots-based peace building. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so the role, the role of the experts will be to provide the conceptual framework. You know, the the, the framework. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the framework, the comparative perspectives, and what work, uh, what don't work. Those those are important because. Uh, people on the ground know a lot of the details, uh, but nece- not necessarily how to structure, you know, the, the information that they have and organize them and and how to deploy them effectively. While those experts we need, you know, that's why we go to school, you know, uh, will be very important for for you know to uh, educate, to train, you know, uh, on on the various uh, peace uh, activities. 
and and yeah. and I think that is what that is you know we are still very much lacking lacking in that. Maybe we have a lot of people who have gone by experience through conflicts, uh, but uh, you know uh, maybe this the regional action plan uh, will provide this kind of uh, courses and training, uh, other working with various centers of excellence around the world. You know that that can provide that that kind of uh, upgrading of knowledge and and skill. Can I ask Professor Dewi then? Uh, since we all of us have not yet seen the regional plan of action, but on top of mind, you know, as a researcher, what do you think are the kind of topics or areas of research that should complement, you know, if we are to come up with a regional plan of action in ASEAN? Any ideas, top of mind? First, you have to have a, a clear database, a very good database. You know, who's who? You know, at the various level of skill, you know, who who are these women uh, within ASEAN or outside of the ASEAN region? You know, who are, who are from ASEAN nationals, uh, who are, uh, for example, uh, at the level of experts, at the level of practitioners, policymakers, and then at the level of you know maybe community activists and so on. We need to have very good database on that and and the the ability to 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 mobilize them. The devils in the details. Uh, as prof, uh, the former president Habibi always would say, you know, uh, we are very good at the great brushstrokes, and within ASEAN, we have beautiful agreements, you know. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's the details that matter. You know, what are the details? What are the strategies and the action plan? And uh, who is going to be doing it? Uh, who's going to be be paying for it? You know, <laughs> within ASEAN, there's always a question. You know? <laughs> Will there be money for it? <laughs> That's very important. And um, you 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 said it um, well. The devil is in the detail. We are hopeful that the the, the pillars that you find in uh, uh, 1325, of course, are going to be in the regional plan of action. But uh, the way it's going to be implemented, and specifically what um, is going to be there, that will be supported by the ten member states. Well, well. Uh, inshallah, it's going yeah. to be something that can really support uh, the role of um, of women, not just in peacekeeping operations, but you know at the negotiating table, helping uh, cohesive communities, and uh, so many other areas where women can actually have a very positive role. <laughs> and before we go, maybe ask uh, what would be your advice. For our listeners, um, I society comprises of men and women. Uh, if we have peace in society, men and women are equally culpable. You know, we are equally responsible. If the society is full of conflicts of machoism and so on, it's the mothers also, you know, who bring up these boys. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, they 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 also inculcate values, uh, and and so it's it's uh, for us it is very important, uh, not just to be numbers, uh, but also to have our voice heard. And to make it matters, you need to, sh- to make, to work, to make it matters. You know, uh, if women do not want to be treated as objects uh, of policy, but to be subjects, then you need to play a role as subjects. You know, there is, there, do not, do not expect things to be given on a plate. Uh, there's no such thing as a gift. You know, there's no such thing that people will give you 
you know, here's my power, take some, you know. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. There's no free lunch, you know. If you think that you want to play a role, then, you know, you have to make sure that you're well equipped to play that role. And, 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 and not to be an embarrassment. And, and do not only be around as the token female, you know. It's exactly. better to be around than to, to make up the numbers only, you know. So critical mass is important, but it's not just to make up the numbers. Uh, yeah. It's critical mass in the thinking and the ability as well. Not just not just in you know uh, the, uh, the the calculations of it. So that means that you know we have to educate ourselves. We have to be willing, you know, to work hard. We will have to be willing to make sacrifice. But the most important thing is that you know women will not be able to survive without the men, without the support. So this is not a, a, a Mars versus Venus wars. We talk about women as if we are in separate planets. You know, any successful family have to see the real partnership between the, the, the husband and the wife, between the fathers and the mothers. We all have different roles to play and, and we need to support each other. So uh, I do believe that, you know, successful women in Southeast Asia, um, like ourselves, you know, we have been able to play an active role outside because we have great support from our family, from our parents uh, who, who do not... Agree, agree, them. agree to yeah. that. From our house, <laughs> from our children. Who do not complain that mom is not always there to make breakfast for them, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dewi, for yeah, well said, uh, encouraging uh, a message for our yeah. our listeners um, today. So mm -hmm. you've heard uh, our dear friend um, Dewi mm -hmm. Fortuna Anwar. Uh, talk about uh, ASEAN, the role of uh, women leaders. If you have questions uh, that you would like to pose to Dewi, if you have comments or ideas, why don't you send us an email at chitokspeacepodcast at gmail.com and we'll make sure that we share it with Dewi. Let me repeat that, chitokspeacepodcast at gmail.com. So on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much, Dewi, for joining us. Thank you very much, and uh, you know I, it's been an honor, you know, to be invited, and and and, and, and I hope that you are both uh, continue going, you know, the podcast continues to be successful and keep well. Thank you, Dewi. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. This is Amina Rasul uh, from the Philippine and Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye from Manila. And goodbye from Kota Kinabalu, Sabah. And, and goodbye from Jakarta. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.